0: Good morning. Court Radio is now in session. Call 215-227-2727. When you've got legal questions, we've got the answers. This is Court Radio. And now here's your host, Dean Whitesman.
1: Good morning. I'm back. We're live and in person. If you've got a legal issue, today's the day to give us a call. 215-227-2727. The number for all things legal. Joined in the studio with my co host, the one and only Manny Manuel Glenn. Good morning, Dean. How are you? I'm doing well. And we have a surprise guest, a return tickler of the keys, Daryl Sampson. Daryl. Derek. It's been, so long. <laughs> it's
0: been, it's been too been long. Been too long.
1: Damn. Too long. Derek, Derek and I started this like, you know, decades ago. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I was
0: like Daryl when you started this decades ago. <laughs> Derek, <laughs> Derek identified as Daryl back then. I'm Derek now. Derek
1: broke <laughs> Derek broke me in. <laughs> I, <laughs> all right, we're gonna go there. alright, <laughs>
0: right. And you identify as Dean again, correct? Yes, yes.
1: Yes, yes I right. am. So um we're all back together again. I was I took a brief uh trip last week week guys I had to go down to uh, Dallas Texas (gasps) you went to the other side I did um, shockingly my son my eldest son moved from Brooklyn New York the heart of liberalism to Dallas Texas where did you fail yeah really uh, well, you know, he follows in his father's footsteps. He went uh, because of a woman, a relationship. Oh, war. Wow. Yes. no more. Yeah.
0: Say no more. Uh,
1: his <laughs> his new fling, his new crush. Wait, wait,
0: wait! Fling? All right. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: you know, I mean, until it's like ten years, um, where he's he's in a relationship with um, a, actually an actress now. Uh, her name mm. Sasha Lane. She played in a recent movie, um, How to Blow Up a Pipeline. And she's now filming in Oklahoma the sequel to to, uh, Twister. Twister. The movie Twister? The movie Twister. Wow. That's been quite a while in between. I think she plays um, uh, the uh, hunt role. She's like the navigator. He's right. the navigator. So I wish my son luck. I, I mean, it's a, it was a lovely uh, place he, he's got down there. And um, and I didn't really find too many people who were inhospitable. So, it was um, Texas. Yeah. I had some good barbecue, too. I'm sure you did. Yeah. What were gas prices like in Texas? Did you happen to notice?
0: Uh, of course I did.
1: <laughs> um, there's a there's a gas station down there called Bucky's. you got to uh-huh. stop there if you're ever in town. Uh-huh. Uh, there are over 100 pumps. Stop. Uh, regular gas was about uh three bucks a gallon I sold as low as two dollars and78 cents mm. those Texans they get the good gas
0: prices. they sure do
1: all right anyway we're back in Philly and um, we've got a guest on the show I'm gonna introduce in a moment but we have a probably a new mayor now probably a, yeah it's a certain it's a certainty yes uh Sherelle Parker um, sort of found her way in a crowded field of candidates, Um, I don't think she was, uh, you know, she was one of the top, but nobody knew for sure what was going to happen. You're right. Um, It shouldn't, it doesn't come as a surprise to me because she had the machinery, the Democratic machinery, which seems to always get their way in the city
0: um, for good or bad. It depends on who you ask. Sometimes those who don't run with the machine uh, win and then lose like Tracy Gordon. Yeah. Um, I'll say this because you asked us a question. I did. I asked. To, well, yeah,
1: while we were sitting around kicking kicking the poop, um, I asked you if,
0: uh, you know, if she was the best person for the She job. is immensely qualified for this p- position. Yes. And it is the right time for her. Um, I can tell you that. There were differences of opinion. It was never personal, and and it was sporadic throughout the city as it relates to black people. I found out a couple of things, but one thing is true, and, and I'm going to say this to you, my friend. It is going to be really hard for any white man to get the trust of black Philadelphia, regardless of who you are. You could walk on water. It doesn't matter. Okay. All right, so that being said, that brand is tainted for a minute. They were going to definitely, it was definitely going to be a woman for a moment, for a glimpse. It looked like Rebecca found the lane, Rebecca Reinhardt. But what I would get on the street, whenever I would ask anyone about this race, as we were approaching Election Day, a week prior or two weeks or sometimes three weeks out, they all said the same thing. This is the truth. I swear to you, I like Jeff, but I don't see his trail to victory. I don't see a path to victory. It's going to be Sherelle. And if you're an old field director like me, what that told me was. The numbers lined up right. As you said, the party got behind her, and she had a clear path to victory. Even with that minimal amount of votes, normally 100,000 votes wins a mayor's race. This was, at the last total I saw, was up to 55,000, maybe 70 tops. Each one of these candidates found their niche of votes and was hoping that niche of votes that got them elected in their previous uh, uh, position would carry them over to the mayor's race. But... Sherelle was able to pick a little bit from all of them, find that lane, and they won. This is a victory, for those who know what I'm about to say, for the Northwest of Philadelphia. Uh, The Bill Gray folks, the Marion Tascos, the Northwest is in charge. Ryan Boyer picked a winner. The Building Trades picked a winner. Apparently the black clergy picked a winner. So I'll say this. The word had gotten out after this win. I hope the mayor-elect, Madam Mayor-elect is listening, and those who support her, and sincerely, Elise Harris, good job. First black woman had a black woman manager, campaign manager, 100th mayor. The word is, folks, and hear me loud, we are not going to let our sister, we are not going to let the black woman fail. So Everyone's going to line up. Everyone's going to get together. We got a job to do. It's going to be hard.
1: Well, there, but I that's mean, where we
0: are. There's got to be there's got to be some new ideas and some
1: absolutely, and it's got to be followed through. Absolutely, and we need money, and the money needs
0: to be spent in the right way. Everyone, every campaign, every they all had great ideas, so we can still, as Reuben Jones will tell you, we can still apply those ideas. We got to be all be in this together. We all have to say, okay, it is what it is. Let's get together. We have to. We're in a bad place right now. Well, at, or a good place. I, I don't think we're as bad
1: as some of the other big cities, and I think that we could um, we, we need to take we need some ideas. We need idea, people who have ideas and thinkers who can bring those ideas to fruition. Uh, enough
0: talk, we need action. Retool, reboot, let's do
1: it. And as I and you know, I mean, so much of the problem, like I walk out of my car right, to go to my office, and I pass three crazy people, at least, if not more, every time I make that trip. People who are screaming to nobody. You know, I know. And and, and it's, you know, it's disconcerting. Like, you know, you, you just, it's not, like you wouldn't, and people don't want that in their house or in their neighborhood or, you know, you want to be able to feel like good and comfortable and that doesn't I'm not talking down to crazy people I'm telling you we gotta help them and we gotta move them to a place where they're not you know harming themselves or others or the atmosphere of the city Um, because you know that's not what you're not gonna draw business and you're not gonna draw folks who are coming down for dinner in the restaurants and you're not gonna you know you're, you're not gonna let you're not gonna have kids Being exposed to that and feeling good about it. So we got to recognize that's not a good thing And we got to figure out how to fix that. It's not just the city They need we need somebody like our governor to go into Washington and bring the money back for those programs and then we need to have those programs Um, And so there's a lot that needs to be done. I don't envy her position Um, I do not envy her position eyes on you. Yeah, and so good luck with it. And we invite her to come to the show soon, you know, because maybe before the election. Yeah. yeah to
0: get, so folks could hear her, get, get an idea. Because, you know, she couldn't, she wasn't at her victory party because she had to go to the hospital. Right. So she never really got a chance to address. We never saw, said, we never got a chance <laughs> to, <laughs> to, to address, to hear the victory speech the vision which you normally hear we never got that right so if i were her every chance i yeah. got if
1: you if you yeah. can't come to court radio you, you really can't manage the city
0: now you're downtown your business is downtown yes. you're downtown is downtown getting more vibrant less about the same
1: no it's not it got uh, you know obviously people came back after covid and it, and there was more activity but it is still Not the old city of Philly now. So many restaurants aren't even open anymore, and or they're not open for lunch. And there's you know buildings are empty. And but does
0: safety have anything to do with it? That's what I'm wondering.
1: Uh, Listen, it's the perception. Whether you know, I mean, all you hear is it's it's a dangerous world out there. Carjackings, muggings, but you know robberies, and and that's what's on the news. So we need another story.
0: Now, Sarah's going to get angry with me, but this is the only way to get this in. Will any of this affect The potential Sixers stadium, Uh, safety, and the recent loss. I I hope so.
1: You know, if the city does decide to bring the Sixers into the city, Mm -hmm. it has to be done in a way that is, you know, that safety is paramount. And, um, you know, having the right atmosphere is paramount. That, you know, people feel like they can walk with their kids through the city streets and get into the stadium and have a good time without being a uh, you know, attacked by a million panhandlers and, um, you know, seeing people nodding on the corner and stuff mm. of that nature. Okay. That's not what this is going to have to be. Right. You know? Anyway, all right, so that's a segue to our guest. Hey. The, because he's <laughs> built an empire in the city and he's not going anywhere. Absolutely. The one and only Reuben Jones. Good morning, Reuben, and welcome to Court Radio.
2: Good morning thank you for having me
1: yeah it's our pleasure so um, folks if you don't know who Ruben is Ruben is a community activist um, and also a community entrepreneur Um, you've opened a coffee shop right in the heart of Kensington Right in the heart. Like, first of all, you're competing with a lot of other coffee shops. We don't have to name them, but they're national. Um, Why did you decide a coffee shop and why in
2: Kensington? Um, So, first of all, my father was an avid coffee drinker. He was a, a person that only drank black coffee. He didn't. That's a like, real coffee drinker. He's a today. real coffee Ooh. drinker, real cigarette smoker, all those things. Yeah, that's right? how I grew up, too. Black right. coffee? Yeah, Ooh. black coffee. Actually, that was going to be the first name of the coffee shop. My wife was like, nah, don't call it that. It's going to turn people away. <laughs> but um, only because that's that's that was – I woke up every day to the that smell of the percolator. Remember yep. the old coffee oh, percolator? yeah,
1: absolutely.
2: So we wanted to do something that was transformative. The place that we occupied used to be a gun shop. It was called the shooter shop. Um. This gun shop was notorious in this city. There was over 1,300 gun crimes directly attributed to this shop. Mm-hmm. It was the kind of shop that basically anybody for a price could get a gun from there. So after you know years of protest, the shop was eventually closed. Impact Services, who provides a lot of uh, development in the area, they do a lot of reentry services work. They bought the building. We were already partnered with them on some other stuff. We continue to have this conversation about, hey, I want to do something in that building. That could benefit this community, mm. um, so there was someone else lined up that they were going to partner with to do something, but it never materialized. So when I turned the back, came we said, "Hey, we we want to put a coffee shop. I want to honor my father. I want to do something to, to transform this community and give something to these people who they don't have. People in Kensington drink coffee too. The Dunkin' Donuts down the street is closed. Um, there's no national uh, brand uh, nearby, and it's cost too much. Let's just be honest." So we wanted to do something. Did folks can have a good cup of coffee inexpensively? So what, uh, what kind of coffee do you have? Do
1: you what? have just like regular old coffee, coffee, or do you Maxwell know, House, do you House do you Folgers? Have, do you have some good, you know, deep roasted?
2: We do. We do Special not. Blend. We do not sell Folgers or Maxwell House. Okay. We have our own blend of coffee. All right, this roasted specifically for us. Whoa, we have six different brands, from Ethiopia, from Peru, from Colombia. Um... Uh, we have a French roast. We have decaps. So we have our own special blend of coffee. We don't sell retail. We're not reselling someone else's no. coffee. We sell our own uh, brand of coffee that's, that's, that's roasted. And it's fair trade. So we're not contributing to, like, you know, you know what I'm saying.
1: Um, I, I'm a little disappointed that we didn't have a, a, a requirement that, uh, that Ruben, bring... Ruben bring us a pot of coffee. <laughs> and now
0: I'm kind of salivating. Yeah. So,
2: <laughs> so y'all heard it here first. I will become the official coffee supplier for the Dean Weissman show. Next <laughs> oh, Sunday. All right. Can applause for that. <laughs> okay. We would deliver a pot of coffee to you guys every Sunday morning. All right.
1: Well, it's Saturday, but, you know. I mean, <laughs> I'm off today. I'm yeah, sorry. It used to be Sunday when, <laughs> yeah. when. When Daryl was when, uh, when, was my my <laughs> key tickler, <laughs> uh, uh, but now it's Saturday, so we've grown up, and we, you know we've we've renamed him Darnell. This is I need a cup of coffee. So let me ask you this: What besi- is it just coffee, or do you have a little Danish, or you know some? little
2: it, s- snacks. Yeah, we have some snacks. We don't cook anything there, so we have, like, you know, the pastries and the danishes, but mm. the focus is on the coffee. Okay. And the beautiful part of it is there's a bus stop right at the corner. Uh-huh. outside, So people are coming and going. And, and I just want to dispel one quick thing about Kensington because um, the question asked, why Kensington? There are working families in Kensington. We see people every morning on their way to work who stop there and get a cup of coffee and express their gratitude for us opening because it's really convenient. you wait for the bus anyway. It's raining. You come in, you know. Grab a cup, and you know. By the time you get your cup, the, the bus is there. So, um, where not, is it?
1: What's the location? Let a, people know.
2: The address is two zero zero one East Allegheny. It's right at the corner of Emerald and Allegheny.
1: All
2: right, yeah. just on
1: the corner of Emerald and Allegheny. And what is it called?
2: It's called North Star Coffee.
1: Okay. All right. So there you are. You're in. You're in Kensington. Um, but you know, that's not your. Your. I mean it might be becoming your main gig but you are not known as a coffee purveyor you're known as a community activist uh, you know we, we we have a little activism in court radio and we we you know so just a little bit and and one of the things that you know we we talk about a lot here is how to uh... reintegrate people into uh... you know into the community into a becoming um, a productive member of the community. And it's not easy, right? When people get out of jail um, or they've been, you know, in mental health institutions um, and they kind of have like a, a uh, that, you know, big red A on their forehead. Like everybody knows they're coming down the pike and not really willing to, to lend a hand. What are you doing? What's your, what's your passion with regard to that?
2: So my passion, um, just so you know, full transparency, I, I served 15 years in, in, in state prison myself. <clears throat> and some of the challenges I had coming home were mental, right? Yeah. Um, depression, um, just kind of get reacclimated to a society that had changed completely since I had been out there. And just that transition, was, was it was a challenge, right? Um, expectations, stigma, all those things played a part. Um, so one thing we want to do, uh, just going back to the coffee shop, and partnering with Impact is providing jobs for people who went through the reentry program at Impact, who need their first job, who needs money in their pocket. Because if you, if you don't have anywhere to live in this city, in this world, then you end up at the whims of other people, right? So you're living with a relative, you drink the last bit of juice, or you got the electricity on all night, eventually get an invitation to leave, right? And being a person that's on supervision or being a person with a criminal record, that can be the most devastating thing to happen at the release. So um, having stable income and having stable housing, um, in addition to mental health care and and, and and wellness, are three of the most important components. And we try to address those things through our organization. We mentor men and women coming home. We provide reentry entry support. Um, we have uh, different opportunities to help them get connected to employment, not just directly through us, but through some of our Partners, um, We even as an organization hire a therapy, uh, professional therapist to provide free um, therapy and free mental health and wellness to our staff and participants. So those are some of the things that, that we do directly um, as an organization.
1: I, I was just thinking that before you said it, and I didn't, I didn't know that to be a fact, that what a great place to have a therapeutic environment in a coffee shop. You know, you're sitting back, you're relaxed, you got your coffee going, you're chatting. That seems to me to be like a hand in a glove. Like that was an opportunity and you saw it and you're making it a part of that. That's cool. That's very cool.
2: The interesting thing is like people come in and they want to have conversation. Like people actually just strike up. We've heard so many interesting stories from folks just because they had someone who... And right. Listen. Yes. We Gave them who acknowledged their humanity. So it's been a beautiful experience. Um, How long's it been, been open? We've only been open now. What about two months? So <laughs> we're relatively new. So I'm, I'm bragging about a lot of things. Is had uh, kind of a short term, but we just opened. Uh, we had a soft opening in March, and then we opened officially uh, a couple weeks later.
1: How much is a cup of coffee at your joint?
2: Uh that's the beauty of it. Is pay what you can. So if you got a quarter, we're gonna give you a cup of coffee. If you got a dollar, we're gonna give you a cup of coffee. Okay, wait a minute. How do you
0: how do you stay afloat like that?
2: So we don't stay afloat by like selling cups of coffee. Let's just be honest. Okay. So that's more of a, a connection to the community, right? Uh-huh. So people come in, you know, have a cup of coffee, we build relationships, friendships, you know, and, and that kind of thing. So um Right now, it's a business model that we are experimenting with. Pay what you can, Mm. just because we want to, we want to respect the consumer, right? Um, So right now, we're not, you know, completely solvent financially with the with the shop. Mm. Uh, We do sell like t shirts, and we do accept donations. We do sell pastry. So there's some
0: merchandise you got.
2: There's merchandise. There's, yes. merch. there's merch. There's merch. Like, <laughs> yeah. There's
0: t- There's something I say, Taylor Swift. There's uh, cups or mugs or. Uh, we don't have mugs right now
2: for sale, but okay. we do have t shirts. Yeah. All right.
0: Yeah.
2: And then the other part of it is we have a little entrepreneurial corner. So we got about six entrepreneurs who sell their wares at our shop. We just give them shelf space. So it's good marketing for them. Mm. It's a good opportunity for them to make, you know. Oh, cool, um, So for us, it's more of a community venture than it is like um, a capitalistic venture.
0: Understood. Well-needed, too. Yeah.
1: 215-227-2727. We're talking to Ruben Jones. Folks, if you got some good ideas that the city should be implementing, why don't you give us a call and share them with us. If you have legal questions, this is a legal show. We're willing to answer your questions for free sort of like the coffee shop, um, pay what you can. You know, we can Venmo, we can
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: PayPal. Well No, I'm just kidding. If you've got a legal issue, uh, we'd love to tackle it.
0: Um, Someone asked me to ask you a legal question. Okay. And you may have heard of this. If you're in these streets, you've heard of this. Have you heard about the Kia kids? Anyone? Does this sound familiar? Yes. All right. Is that a real thing because of the video? There is some type of lawsuit? Yes. Someone told me to ask you that. They're listening. They yeah. had their Kia stolen two days ago. You know, I was shocked, and I'm,
1: you know, in the the know usually. Uh-huh. Uh, a friend of mine had his Kia broken into. With uh, an app or something? And, no, oh, they broke in. Well, maybe with an app they opened the doors, yeah. but they jimmied his mm-hmm. uh, lock to try to start the car and tore it all up inside. Um, and he said, uh, I think Kia should pay me for this. And I said, what are you, crazy they're not paying you for anything. I mean, this is crime in the city. What are you going to do? I-, I didn't know about the, the key, app. Yeah, and the, the app yeah, and, all that, yeah. And, and so he called Kia, and um, they they said they will uh, pay for a um, uh, what's it called? Steering that yes. Yeah, oh, the, the, the yeah. The, what club. is that? The, the club. Club. Yeah. Thank you, Derek. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the club. Yes uh, the, the, the club is, uh, I don't know, what is it like a hundred bucks, 50 bucks, whatever it is. They're, they're going to pay for that. But then a little further research right. and I understand there's actually a class action suit going on. Yes. Um, so, you know, if you Google class action lawsuit for Kia, uh, you'll probably find, find it on not the something web. somebody would come to you with. No, 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 But no. you, but it is a thing. It's right, a so thing. There you go. Let's yeah. be uh, honest. Uh, if you're not, injured physically Mm -hmm. injured Mm -hmm. uh there's no place in you know in the my philly lawyer um repertoire for that because you know a a a small uh, property claim you know or any property claim um if you've got a motor vehicle accident and the only thing that was injured is your car uh and it's going to cost you five thousand dollars to replace your car you don't want to retain an attorney necessarily for that because they're going to take a piece of that $5,000. you are not going to get your car fixed. Mm. Um, those are the kinds of claims where I coach my listeners to file their lawsuits and go to small claims court and be their own advocate. Yeah. Um, and so or if you're in a class action and you're going to get a little piece of the pot um, and the attorney's going to make most of the money, that's not something that we do. When we represent people, like in the um, hair relaxer relaxer litigation, we're representing an individual. You may be a group of uh, women who all suffer the same injury, but your claim will be litigated and handled individually, Mm. and when it comes time for a settlement, although your claim may not have been litigated, um, you're getting a massive settlement that's going to be directly attributable and
0: in correlation to the injuries you sustained. I'm glad you brought that up because, again, a lot of those our listeners who are part of this listen this time of day, and they said something to me, I didn't see the billboards. They, they, they got taken down. Is, is it still going on? I said, yeah, and now the billboards are back yeah. on South Philadelphia. But it made some folks a little worried because they hadn't called yet, and, and, and we're trying to get yeah, folks I, to say, call in, call in. I don't understand in. why people haven't called. I, I, I,
1: I don't know. Well, is it a psychological thing? Like you, you just that—that's too big a step
0: to to I th- make. I think um, there's a couple of reasons. One, they—they're not hearing it talked about enough, and some other things I'll say off air um, inside baseball that would probably help the situation. But I just don't think it's consistent enough for them. I, I think it's also something I'm hearing uh, that they don't believe it's going to be anything big it's gonna be um, I'm just gonna be another name it can't be something that's going to be substantial and I say all the time oh yes it can be listen uh, it it, you know if
1: you I mean clearly those cases which are the largest cases are those who the women who suffered cancer Mm. okay uterine or endometrial cancers are directly attributable and the damages you know if you've suffered with cancer you've gone through perhaps chemo surgeries um, you know radiation there's all kinds of and they're all bad right it, it, they have to almost kill you to make you better and so those damages are significant and those women will get paid the most Mm. Um, but there are women who have suffered horrible injuries through hysterectomies and haven't been able to have children and each case again is examined on its own merits the more damages you have and the more uh, closely aligned what you have is with the product um, the more money you're gonna get but nobody's going to be getting you know a cup of coffee and um, you know a
0: rebate check. It's not that's not what this is about. And I don't think folks understand or realize that word of mouth has been ha- been helping, but I believe they need to hear about it more. Yeah, and well, there's trepidation because it is kind of it's a very sensitive issue. Yeah, we we've uh,
1: we've we've geared up at my Philly lawyer. We now have uh, four people that are devoted strictly to the hair relaxer litigation. So oh, that's good to hear. Please give us a call 215-227-2727 You will not. Be disappointed in the outcome Um, and we obviously as in all matters that we handle uh, will do so in the most professional fashion possible so um, you're in good hands give us a call 215-227-2727 we're in the studio with Reuben Jones we're gonna be back um, in two minutes After my sponsors have their way with you. But if you want to give us a call, we'll get you on the air when we get back. 215-227-2727. I'm Dean Weitzman. If you have a history of using chemical hair straighteners and have been diagnosed with uterine or endometrial cancer, call My Philly Lawyer now at 215-227-2727. Frequent use of chemical hair relaxers can double the risk of uterine and endometrial cancer. If you've been affected, we will fight for you. Call 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters
3: most.
1: I grew up here, went to school here, raised my kids here. I know Philly, and Philly knows me. I started My Philly Lawyer because if you've been injured, your lawyer matters, and choosing someone local matters. It matters to the insurance company, it matters to the jury, and most importantly, your lawyer matters when it comes to getting results. If you've been injured, call us now, 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. I'm Dean Weitzman. If you have a history of using chemical hair straighteners and have been diagnosed with uterine or endometrial cancer, call my Philly lawyer now at 215-227-2727. Frequent use of chemical hair relaxers can double the risk of uterine and endometrial cancer. If you've been affected we will fight for you call 215-227-2727 my philly lawyer when winning matters
0: most need more legal answers here's more court radio with your host dean weitzman
1: Welcome back. I'm Dean Weitzman, your host of Court Radio every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Join in the studio today with community activist and coffee purveyor, Ruben Jones. Welcome back, Ruben. Thank you. Um, And we're taking your calls and answering your questions. Uh, Ruben is 15 years in prison. 15. That's a bit. I can't do 15 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. how long has it been since you've been out?
2: I came home in two thousand two, July eighth, two thousand two. All right, okay. So home about
1: two coming days. up and doing an anniversary.
2: Yeah, sort of, sort of.
1: Yeah. Um, and you got reintegrated. How did that process happen for you? Because you know we're talking about how difficult it is to get back in, but you seem to have made it. Not seem to have. You made it. And how did you make it? Yeah, because who do you attribute your success to?
0: Fifteen years in, you come out, things are different. Things were different. So, yeah, who did you attribute your success in getting back on the streets and reacclimating yourself and reentry?
2: Yeah, first and foremost was God. You know, I, I had a faith, right? Um, second was my family. So glad to have family support. And then third it was I had mentors. I had a support system. I had people. That's important. Who invested in in, in my wellness. Still had struggles, still made mistakes, still had challenges. But having that safety net um, helped me navigate a little bit better.
1: Your family. Um, Who in your family?
2: So I had my mother, first of all. My father was deceased by the time I... um, Did he die while you were
1: in jail? He did. Mm,
2: That's tough. He did. And unfortunately, I wasn't able to go to the funeral. So it's always been a, a difficult space for me. But my, I had my mother, I had siblings, and uh, my grandmother and some other family, direct family uh, members that like really stood in the gap for me.
1: What did you do to better yourself at that point? Like, they, they're there to support you, but you had to do the work. What was it you did?
2: I mean, the first thing was just be humble and open to the process. So I had a job. Somebody asked me the other day, what was the worst job i ever had? So come home I worked for 650 an hour at a chicky chicken processing plant. Mm. So
0: Ooh, that's it was basically was work- smelly. yeah. it
2: was smelly, it was bloody, <laughs> it was dirty, it was freezing cold because was basically working in a huge freezer for 12 hours. Um, so it was horrible. but I had to home myself. I went back to school. Um, I ended up uh, getting my master's degree back in 2009. Education for me is a great equalizer when sure. you have that strike against you um, in terms of criminal record and it created more opportunities to open more doors. So I was able to, like, transition to better jobs and better opportunities and just learning, you know, um, just how to interact differently uh, than the street culture that I had previously interacted uh, with uh, before incarceration. Yeah,
1: you had to learn a new set of uh, coping skills, I guess. Yeah, Um, man, look. Speaking of the worst jobs ever, um, I I would say for me it was uh, that summer I worked in a factory, uh, and I had to take the mini blinds down uh, off the windows, these gigantic mini blinds, and clean them one one by slat one at a time. Uh, and it was it was the hottest and most humid summer. Always <laughs> is. <laughs> <laughs> Felt like hell. I was in hell. <laughs> Oh, my God. I said, I got to get out of here. I got to do something else. This is not going to last forever. Right, right. Um, all right. Well, those are some of the motivations that, you know, motivate people to do good things.
0: Well, I'm thinking you you, you do 15 years. Right. You come out in 2002. Cell phones, mm-hmm. different. Internet is beginning. TV, move. everything starts to change. You got to react reacclimate yourself to a Philadelphia that wasn't the same when you Got there. What was the most shocking thing that you had to get used to? What was difficult to become accustomed to?
2: This is going to sound so crazy. I was so embarrassed, right? I was in a, I went to a store and I saw this older lady, you know, paying for her stuff. So she was swiping across the the bell or whatever.
0: It was self-checkout.
2: It was self-checkout. I didn't know how it worked, (laughs) right? right? I didn't know she was scanning the barcode, right? Right. So I'm there and I'm doing this thing when, when <laughs> my turn comes and it's not beeping. It's it's like doing nothing and I'm like getting so frustrated. So hey, I feel so embarrassed. I felt mm. like everybody knew, oh, he just came from jail. It was, it was, it was hard making that transition because I didn't have it's a hard connection to make. Cause we we went from this kind of like very Philadelphia's always been known as a blue collar town. Sure. Now we were transitioning to a more a technology town. And I just wasn't prepared for it. So it was very embarrassing, it was very difficult. Um, just making that transition, and you feel so much shame because you feel like everybody's watching, everybody see you sure making you this did. mistake, and everybody's judging and they're laughing. You know, it's like Carrie, the movie cat, They're gonna laugh at you. They're gonna laugh at you. Right? <laughs> that's 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 how I felt, and it could be very. Mentally intimidating. Debilitating. Yes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I got news for you. In 2023, there's still people that don't know how to self-check. I know.
2: <laughs> I, I, I see, <laughs> and now I, I laugh at them.
1: <laughs> I refuse. Stop. I, I refuse. I. I know. I, I have to think about that. Why? Uh, what? Well, well, I think I know. Listen, but go ahead if if you're my client mm. right I don't bring you into the office and tell you hey see that law book go start researching for me I am not doing the work I paid the money for the product you got to hire somebody to scan it it is not me my not my job not doing it don't ask me to do it I'm not I'm gonna know I'm not doing it is that <laughs> Okay, okay,
0: okay, okay. I <laughs> like, mean, like listen, in a blackjack table,
1: okay. <laughs> if, you're, if you're gonna give me like a 5% discount on my food, I'll scan I'll scan.
0: And plus we weren't trained for this, this is not part yeah, of and our- And I
1: don't bag either, and, uh, I'm not bagging. I'm not bagging. <laughs> not bagging, I'm not bagging and I'm not scanning. I okay. want you to hire a bagger and I want you to hire a scanner And and I want, you know, I'm looking for more
0: people to be employed, too. Thank you. You know. Thank you. Because if I can do this myself, we don't need you. Yes. That's the easy pass.
1: That's the, well, mm. yeah, but so, the easy pass, ooh. I, I got to have an easy pass. <laughs> oh. Oh.
2: Oh.
0: But uh, it yeah. got
2: rid of a lot of toll booth
1: workers. It, it did, but I don't have to wait in line. So it made my life easier. I yeah. you
0: know, that's a mm. That's cold,
1: I know. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, all right? I'm just being. He listen, ain't bagging, <laughs> he ain't
2: scanning. But I am not waiting in the toll line. No, uh,
1: no, no, not happening. Lord. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> My producers re- <laughs> redirecting me. Um, you started a campaign to end lifetime and long-term parole. First of all, what is lifetime? I never heard of lifetime parole. All
2: right. Well, let me let me just educate your listeners really quick. So, in Fencer, so the Supreme Court ordered that it was illegal unconstitutional uh, to sentence a juvenile to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Uh, Miller versus Alabama. They made it retroactive. Pennsylvania had more than 500 juvenile lifers, more than any state in the country. Philadelphia had three hundred, more than 300, more than any city in the country. When they were released in Pennsylvania, they released under this lifetime parole. So, okay, we're not giving you a life sentence. They renegotiated, resentenced them to time served plus this lifetime parole. Oh, wow. We think that violates the intent of the Supreme Court order, number one. Number two, I've been home more than 20 years now, and I'm still on parole.
1: And in Pennsylvania... So, wait, you, you, got, you got to go down to, uh,
0: well... You still have to, you uh, have to go, check in with your... Yeah, I, I have to do all those degrading things. I have to
2: pay a supervision fee every month. You got,
0: a you got to pee in the jar. I
2: have to get a, tra- a travel pass whenever I leave the city. Uh-huh. Yes, I have to submit a urine whenever they uh, request it. it. Yep. It's, it's just very humiliating. But, so... And I was a victim of stacked stack sentence. I only had one case, but they sent me, like, consecutive mm-hmm. sentences for the charges, right? You know how that go. Yep. Um, so, But there's a lot of people suffering from that same um, kind of sentence structure. They used to do that in the 80, 80s and 90s, right? So you got a lot of people. So who, how long is your parole sentence? So it's 25 years. So I've been on 25 it, right?
1: years from the time you got out. Yes. So it's a 40-year sentence, 15 so 40 in years and 25 exact, out.
2: Exactly. But we have a lot of people who just walk around the city, more than 300,000 formerly incarcerated people in the city. And many of them are still under this kind of sentence structure from the 80s and 90s. So they're still under supervision. The juvenile life are still under supervision. So we're creating some legislation called the Sunset uh, Bill that will allow people to earn their way. We're not just saying magically erase it, but allows people to earn their way off of state parole supervision. So you meet certain criteria. Um, The data showed that there's diminishing returns after three years. Um, 70% of recidivism happens within the first three years. So we're, in essence, paying for supervision of thousands of uh, people, hundreds of thousands of people, when it's not necessary. They react- and, mean, they're doing good things. And that, to my point, the
1: money we save with this senseless long-term parole that doesn't have a benefit to us, mm-hmm. we could take that money and put it into mental health treatment. And then we got a positive. Then then you're, you're – because I got – like some huge percentage of the people who are in prison are in prison because they're crazy and they're just not mentally challenged yes (laughs) mentally whatever you want to call it (laughs) they have issues that we can help with the right therapies and the right treatment and the right money Mm. and you don't need to come you, we don't need to 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 find new money we can take we can reposition the money that we have for the criminal justice system and put it into the mental health system
0: don't you think guys like Ruben and and, and to yourself a degree need to be a part of a board of directors that oversees the incarcerated guys like you understand it you get you have a different perspective You've, you've come out, you've you've made a great life for yourselves, you, you're you part of the society, you're doing great work, and you know this better than anyone. And guys like you, and women, I believe, should be overseeing well, this this retooling. That's the kind
1: of stuff that we expect from our new mayor, okay? Mm. And, the new, and the new governor. Yes, yeah. and
2: the new governor. So can I throw one quick stat at you? Because yes. you hit on something really important about the mental health aspect. Pennsylvania has almost 50,000 people in the state prisons. More than half of those people did not commit a crime. Did did you know that? I did not. More than half of them are there for parole violations. So Um. simple things like turning hot urine, uh, getting a drink of alcohol, moving, losing a job, popping willy in the case of Meek Mill. There's a whole list of things that can violate your parole that doesn't constitute a crime. So we're paying for more than 25,000 people to be incarcerated at a rate of $40,000 a year. That's a millions of dollars that could be used for schools, that could be used for uh, infrastructure, that could be for mental health. And we're throwing the it away thing, yeah. because we're keeping people on supervision too long and then violating for these minute infractions. So this is why we're pushing this bill so that we could change that.
1: Do you have sponsors?
2: We do. Senator Katie Muth, um is sponsoring the bill. She's going to be introducing it. Uh, we're looking at a timetable of uh, when they return to session in the fall. Uh, we also have uh, other people to support it, like Senator Street. Uh, we now have uh, uh, Rep. McClinton as the Speaker of the House, so and we have a majority in the House now. So we hope we can move it through the through the House fairly easily. But um, yeah, we do have a lot of support.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, you know, we have a regular guest, my my brother, uh, from a different mother, Jordan Harris, who's yeah. up in here all the time he's going to be back soon and he's uh, you know he he's devoted his career to uh you know criminal justice reform and um so there are people out there who want to do it um it's a slim majority though Ruben. so slim that uh, you can't see light through the uh, crack there so um but you know it, certainly we're moving in the right direction and I, and again if you talk to people on the street, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, and you said we're not going to be spending any more money, we're just going to reposition the money we're already spending in a different way and try a different idea and maybe we'll get some better results because we certainly haven't gotten good results now, I, I think you'd have a unanimous support
0: for this. I think, though, there's a good many people who benefit from the system being run this way and don't want it to change. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 That's why. The cynic in me says that and believes that, you know, yeah. at the end well, of the day. Um, I, the
1: the practical person in me says um, we are all heading down the toilet bowl together. You know, it doesn't matter. It's not just affecting the people who are in prison. It's infecting infecting, and affecting the entire city of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. And then that will affect the suburbs and so on and so forth. So we all have to come up with a solution or we're all going down the same path. Amen.
2: There's definitely a pendulum when you when you when you mentioned earlier just about Kensington, The reality is everything that happened in the city affects everybody else. So, if we can figure out a way, so we have this new mayor, we talk about fresh ideas. You know, there's a lot of people who aren't they're invisible, right? There's this subculture that exists. If you go out past like 1 a.m., it's not the same people you see at 1 p.m. Sure, yeah, right, right. But a lot of those people don't feel included in in, in our structure, in the system, right? So they create their own system.
0: Yeah.
2: Whatever yeah. they do, it drives up. As you mentioned your friend's car; it's going to drive up everybody's insurance rates. Sure. Carjacking. Uh huh. The gun violence. It's hard for people to have a conversation about criminal justice reform when they don't feel safe. They want people locked away, so it's hard to have those conversations. But if we can accept the reality that everything that happens in one section of the city or uh, one demographic of the city, it affects all of us, then we can accept collective responsibility to change.
1: And that's where I hope we're headed um, with the new mayor, uh, the new administration, both in the state and in the city. 215-227-2727, the number for all things legal. Let's talk to Sonia on line two. Hi, Sonia hi hi Sonia how are you welcome to the show
4: um, oh, thank you thank you very much I appreciate that mm-hmm. I just had a general question um so I'm in the state of Delaware and my daughter just had um, a brand new baby girl she's a month and two weeks mazel tov. I'm sorry
1: I said mazel tov congratulations
4: uh, well thank you very much um so she um She's having problems with her right arm, and it's probably stemming from the epidural when she was doing some research. It sounds like that's what it is. What legal? She has her first doctor's appointment tomorrow for her um, at this at her at her doctor's her 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 normal family doctor to see what is going on because when she when she wakes up it's just throughout the day she just gets this real tightness this numbness. Um, and then it also affects her down to her hips and her legs. All right, well, here's so the
1: right mate. here Here's the answer. The answer is that um, there are times when a nurse or a doctor um, sticks a needle into us, and there are, are consequences that are um, you know, unexpected. And it could be because they did it wrong. Um, it could also be because, it's just a risk of the procedure and the anatomy of that particular patient is such that the nerve was in a place it was not expected to be Um, there's always risks of every procedure we have every medical procedure some of those risks are known and and that doesn't make it necessarily malpractice or negligence but it could be it could be and so first off Nerve damage often takes a long time to heal and it's only been, you know, a couple months and so it could get better. She should identify to the doctor that she has this problem. Um, he or she should perhaps send her to a neurologist for an evaluation. Um, so you want to get the, the issue on, on in the medical record so everybody knows it's happening. There's a two-year statute of limitations, and so there's no urgency to bring a legal action at this point, and she should be monitored and maybe cared for, and they should know about it and get, get her the, the appropriate treatment. And then, if it continues, she will need to gather her medical records so that an attorney can have that, those records evaluated um, to determine whether there has been a breach of the standard of care, which is what she would have to prove, that they did something abnormal, something wrong, which caused her injury. Um, okay. And and so, uh, but again, first things first, uh, identify it with the doctor and attempt to get the right medical care to care for her um, and see if it improves. And if it doesn't, then by all means, feel free to give us a call at the number you called today.
4: That sounds good. I certainly will. I thank you so very much for taking my call. Thank Uh, you very much. And everyone have a
1: happy Saturday. Thanks, Sonia. You do as well.
4: Thank you. Take care.
1: Bye now. Two one five two two seven twenty seven twenty seven. Just like that, just like Sonia had the experience, you can have an answer to your pressing legal issues, and you call
0: people back yourself personally.
1: I do. Usually, um, like if somebody gets held on the line, I feel really bad. You pick up, like when we when we close the show out, uh-huh. and then they'll 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 call and they'll leave a message that I ah, I was on the radio and I, I didn't get through. Usually, those are the calls I make from the radio station back home.
0: See, people appreciate
1: that. Yeah, well, they really do. Um, I, listen, I, I I wasn't always you know Dean Weitzman, my Philly lawyer. I was Daryl. I was dean. <laughs> I was dean from the Oxford Circle. Was dean from the OC. Yeah, and um, so uh, I understand people. You know, it takes a lot for. Like you said, there are all these women who suffer with, um, you know, consequences of hair relaxer treatments, mm-hmm. and they just don't make the call. It's a difficult call to make sometimes. Yeah. I get that, and when people make that call, I want to be able to be on the other line so that they can have a concerned. Voice and at, having
0: grown up around <laughs> hair salons, he has a specific compassion and understanding, <laughs> ladies, of yeah. the issue. That's yeah. real. I, I grew, I grew up in, a, I did grow up in a hair salon. My parents were both
1: beauticians. Uh, my dad would come home with his hands cracked and bleeding from the chemicals that they used to dye women's hair. That was the thing: coloring, yeah. coloring, coloring. Yeah, wow. he was a colorist, and uh, my mom was, <laughs> uh, you know, a teaser. They would, right? <laughs> this sounds like something that shouldn't be written down. Teasers. A um, colorist and a teaser. Yeah, and then there were the ladies with the blue hair. Always. Yeah. And then the pink hair. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, Lord. But, you know, we had fun, and I would rob the uh, the till, you know, from my— <laughs> Five bucks up to the Roosevelt Mall so I can— That's eat. a big five bucks with something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right well we're at their second break we will be back in two minutes folks right after these announcements I'm Dean Weitzman if you have a history of using chemical hair straighteners and have been diagnosed with uterine or endometrial cancer call my Philly lawyer now at 215-227-2727 frequent use of chemical hair relaxers can double the risk of uterine and endometrial cancer if you've been affected We will fight for you. Call 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most.
3: When we say winning matters most, we mean it. My Philly Lawyer just helped secure an $80 million victory for a client suffering from a defective medical product. Whether it's a motor vehicle, workplace, or medical malpractice injury, My Philly Lawyer gets results.
1: If you've been injured and want aggressive, thoughtful, thorough
3: representation, call my philly lawyer first philly's legal champions 215-227-2727 my philly lawyer when winning matters most
1: i grew up here went to school here raised my kids here i know philly and philly knows me i started my philly lawyer because if you've been injured your lawyer matters and choosing someone local matters. It matters to the insurance company, it matters to the jury, and most importantly, your lawyer matters when it comes to getting results. If you've been injured, call us now, 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most. I'm Dean Weitzman. If you have a history of using chemical hair straighteners and have been diagnosed with uterine or endometrial cancer, call My Philly Lawyer now at 215-227-2727. Frequent use of chemical hair relaxers can double the risk of uterine and endometrial cancer. If you've been affected, We will fight for you. Call 215-227-2727. My Philly Lawyer, when winning matters most.
0: Need more legal answers? Here's more Court Radio with your host, Dean Weitzman.
1: Good morning and welcome back. I'm Dean Weitzman, your host of Court Radio. Every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m., we welcome your calls with legal issues or comments on our guest, which is happens to be Ruben Jones. Welcome back, Ruben. Thank you. Um, let's take a caller. Line four, Michael. Oh, Michael, welcome to Court Radio. Hey, Michael.
5: Uh, how you doing? Good,
1: morning. Good. How about you?
5: I'm doing great. All this right. is the first time I've been able to get through to you guys, but uh, I got a very important question, at least I think it's important.
1: It is? Go for it.
5: Okay, I had an automobile accident, uh, rear-ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, after 18 months, the lawyer tells me that he finds out after doing a search that the guy that caused the accident, it was a three-party accident, the guy that hit me and another guy didn't have insurance.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: He had an insurance card but didn't have real insurance.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: So, uh a week before Christmas just passed, the lawyer calls me and tells me that my case has been closed because there's nowhere to get any money from because he said he discovered that I didn't have uninsured and underinsured coverage.
1: Yeah. So um, what's the question? And I, I, I'll, I'm i going to beat you in a minute, but go, just give me the question. Okay.
5: The, the question is. I contacted my insurance company yep. and asked for my declaration page yep. and found out that I did in fact have underinsured and uninsured. Okay. Now, if the lawyer sends me a letter saying the case was closed, I'm not obligated to him anymore, right?
1: That is correct. So you're the so quick I can go, the, the quick answer is you 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 can retain a new lawyer and uh but you know, you're getting really close to your 2-year statute of limitations it sounds like um because you said 18 months and then you said um, the accident was it was
5: july 7th july 8th 2021.
1: yes my friend you better get somebody in pronto because july 7th 2023 you can't bring a claim ever again
5: man Oh, wow. So I got to do
1: something. I got like nine, 60 days. That's right. You do. And what you're going to do is you're going to give us a call at 215-227-2727 as soon as we go off the air and my team will get you in the office.
5: Okay. Sounds good.
1: But, you know, uh, I'm happy that you have uninsured and underinsured motorists because I, you know, I beat that drum regularly here at Court Radio because so many folks are out there driving without insurance or with insufficient limits, and um, it leaves you exposed to injuries that are uncompensated if you don't think to compensate yourself. So, you uh, you know, the fact that you have that coverage and confirmed it is a good thing. Yeah. We, You know, and, and that means that you still have an avenue to pursue uh, for compensation for, the, for all the troubles you were put through. Um, but remember, two-year statute of limitations in Pennsylvania—
5: um. Now I'm gonna be. Oh, you say you're gonna have somebody contact me.
1: I'm gonna. Well, once you give us a call after we go off the air. Yeah. Okay. And, I'll, I'll and,
5: definitely
1: call. All right, Michael. Be well. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Uh huh. So, um, Ruben. Uh, one more time. What's the coffee shop called? Because I, I, I'm, I'm coming you know, for a cup. Yeah, I'm, I, want <laughs> to, I, I want I want the whole experience. I want, I want to, you know, feel the therapeutic vibes of the <laughs> Reuben Jones Coffee Shop.
2: It's called North, North Star, Star Coffee.
1: All right, North Star, and it's uh, what, what corner?
2: It's at the corner of Emerald and Allegheny. The address is two zero zero one, East. Got to put that East in there if you're GPSing, East Allegheny.
1: This is from a guy who didn't know how to scan a donut. <laughs> hey, I
2: learned. I learned. I learned my lesson. Yeah. I had to go now, yeah. he's,
1: now he's GPSing. <laughs> All right. Well, um, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. yes It really yeah, is. Thank bro. you. It's
2: been a pleasure to be here. Uh,
1: and I'll look for that pot of coffee next uh Saturday. You guys will have Saturday, coffee not here. Sunday. Next,
2: next Saturday.
1: Okay. And Sunday. <laughs> um we are just about out of time. Um, any last-minute thoughts?
0: I'm sorry. Man. I'm still hurting from this Sixer thing. I just, I know you're a big fan. I just wanted to get your thoughts, man.
1: Well, you know, um, like usual, um, I was not a believer until – game six Mm -hmm. and in game six they turned me from my pessimistic self to a believer right and then in the last quarter of game six Mm -hmm. I said uh this is the same team that they have always been since before the dawn of time I mean you know I was I was in the spectrum, you know, back in the
0: day. Yeah, that is know. the day.
1: I was on the floor in my own box next to the team, high five in the players and I uh, you know, Allen Iverson and 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 Mo Cheeks and and Dr. J and I mean, there the was a, there was an energy like we couldn't lose. Mm-hmm. That's energy is not there right now. I think it's From like the I'm city hearing. of
0: Philadelphia,
1: <laughs> oh. you know. It's like the city of Philadelphia. We need, we need, we need to regroup
0: here. We've lost faith in the big guy. The process is officially ended. It's over. There's no process. Don't even bring it up. And and James Harden, the folks don't have faith in him anymore. And I want to say this. I maybe I shouldn't. I'll say it off air. But I have a thought about James Harden and and these collapses. But we'll talk off air. All
3: right.
1: Well, folks, we're all out of time. I hope you had a good hour with us. We'll see you next Saturday, same time, same place.